The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Um. Afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Eric Kruger is joining us today with Smart Yield out of Kearney, Nebraska. And no surprise, some lower numbers today in the trade, but is it just a lot of positioning, Eric, ahead of tomorrow's WASD report? Yeah, I think everybody's just looking forward to the report tomorrow and probably just uh, some position squaring and some uh, people getting the position they want just ahead of the report. Now, this is a report that I think weighs heavily on, on the trade, more than what we saw in the June and the July report. Yeah, it does. And I, I think it just because it gives us a little clearer picture of what the USDA is thinking as far as yield in the U.S. And then, you know, with with the known fact that we're going to have a smaller world wheat crop, smaller world corn crop, probably a bigger soy crop. Um, I think these numbers just get amplified. And uh, everybody's been looking forward to this report here, for, you know, over, over the last month. And, you know, the way the growing season has gone, and we're probably a little ahead here in the U.S., I think, uh We'll have a little more clarity as further we get along, but this is going to give us a good indication of what direction the USDA is going. You've seen some of the preliminary numbers that have been kind of trickling in over the last week. What are your thoughts? Let's start with the corn market. Yeah, I think on corn, you know, the average trade estimate's probably in that 176 and change area. USDA in July was at 174, and I think that's in line. You, you know, um, like I said, we won't know until we probably, like most years, get combines in the fields, and that might be a little earlier this year. Maybe on the October report, we'll have a really strong indication of what yields are going to be, but we do know that it's going to produce a much smaller U.S. corn crop than we had last year at this time. You know, if we, if we use that estimate uh, on the average trade estimate that puts us at a one in the one six area, which is uh, a lot smaller than two and a little over two, like we were last year. So, uh, I think there's some positive. You know, there's that positive tone, and that's probably why we're up thirty plus cents off the lows. And for soybeans. Uh, soybeans, you know, I think the trade's looking at just short of 50 at 49.6. Um, there's estimates up to that 51-plus area. But, you know, the USDA last month was at 48.5, and I think uh, some of the trade thought it was going to be a little higher than that. But uh, the trade estimate now is at just short of 50, and I think that's probably, uh, with the growing season we've had, right in line. Um, it is going to, you know, put us at a, a, a bigger stock number than we were last year. Um, and that's probably why we've seen, you know, pressure on beans and, and you know, the tariffs haven't helped. But knowing we're going to have a much bigger beaten crop this year has is, is really put pressure on it as well. And what about for the wheat? Um, you know, wheat is kind of it just depends what you look at but we know you know all world we're going to see come down we've had issues in europe we're looking at uh which have driven wheat here recently of course everybody knows weeds up a dollar twenty a dollar thirty here over the last month so um had another estimate come out today that you know european production is going to be down another five you know million metric tons and i think in the u.s um it's going to play out here with we've seen some dryness now in north dakota we've seen uh, some dryness in canada as in as far as that north american market so um, there's some positive news there and the wheat markets priced that in you know and it doesn't come as a surprise because we've continued over the last week or so continue to hear of the issues that are happening in the black sea region um, the dryness and really lack of anything happening now yeah, and I think, you know, the, the surprise with that is is we continue to not really see great exports out of the U.S., but our market's driven up. So uh, I think that's the anticipation that um, 
our wheat's going to be needed in the world. And with that world number coming down, I think the U.S. is, is pricing its wheat accordingly. But we're, we're going to have to see. Um, I think it, you know, like I said, it doesn't it doesn't look great for great crops throughout the world. So um, I think you know any setback here, maybe on this report with a little bit bigger wheat number, might be a good time to get in a position for what we could see some more upside if there is a production issue. You and I were talking before the final bell started about about this report. It comes out at 11 o'clock tomorrow, right smack dab in the middle of the trade day. doesn't give you guys a lot of time to analyze those numbers when they come out and having producers wondering, how am I going to market with the knee-jerk reactions that may or may not happen from the numbers? Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. I think you know we can do the best we can anticipating, and I, th- I think for each producer, it's different. You know, if if, if we were a producer that was able to get uh, some sales on earlier in the year um, when we had some opportunities, then you might have a little different outlook on this report. But for for the producer that's you know along the field that needs uh, whether they need protection or they want upside, um, it doesn't give us any time once the report's out. So you've got to kind of put that position on ahead of time, and uh, um, you know hope hope that we analyze the numbers and we don't see that you know the weird trade like we usually see where we break up 10 cents and then we're down 10 cents and and back and forth and you know i think if you go back from you know 1990 to now about half the time we see a 10 plus cent move whether it's up or down off this report and obviously the most important thing is to not have that knee-jerk reaction just wait till the dust settles and and trust somebody like yourself when it comes to to looking at these numbers and helping you market in the right way that's right. That's right. You know, there's usually a lot of algorithm traders. There's a lot of um, a lot of trade that happens before people really can even digest what it does to a balance sheet and what it's going to do to stocks to use. Um, and I think you got to keep the big picture in mind. We're going to go right back. It's 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 early enough in the year. We're probably going to go right back to crop ratings, weather, um, any trade news as far as tariffs or, or that situation. And we'll see to which degree that the funds decide if they want to stay short corn. They're still a little short a little bit in corn and, and soy, but they're long wheat. So we're going to see what the funds decide to do after this report um, but th- there is some underlying support there um, and, and corn and wheat from the decrease in, in the world production that we're looking at and soy if we do happen to see uh, something that helps get get a push up here in soy maybe it'll give guys a chance to get a little bit better sales targets on you know we were seeing the talk of warmer drier weather and the effects it's going to have on corn and beans looking at the market do you guys kind of factor that in that discussion that's been happening on the weather models yeah, we do, and, and I think you have to. Um, it, it, like I said, it's always a guess, um, and, and weather models change daily, but you really have to look at, um, at this point in the year, where it's affected and, w- and what the previous weather was. So there's there's some parts of the country that are going to raise tremendous crops, and there are also some parts of the country that if, if we don't finish well, we're, we're definitely going to have some production issues. So, you know, like we've stated before, and I think other analysts on the program have stated, it's really going to come down to a couple bushels, and, you know, for the corn crop if we raise um, on the high side of the estimate and we raise something up in that 179 180 area it's not going to make that stocks use and that balance sheet quite as tight um, and for beans the same way if we raise something above 50 um, we're going to have a big supply in the world but Turn around folks we've got more of the fontanelle final bell coming up after this Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Eric Kruger is joining us with Smart Yield out of Kearney. You and I were just chatting during the break about China. And you and I both have seen the talk about they're in the process of maybe wheedling their way back in, buying some U.S. beans. And you brought up a really interesting point. Let's compare 2017 at this time to 2018 at this time with this grain market. 
Yeah, we were talking about that, and it's, it's really interesting. It's the normal time of year when we usually see China go elsewhere, go to South America uh, for their needs as far as beans, and then during our, our growing season, they're away, and then they come back in when we have our supply. Um, and looking forward, you look back, and last year at this time, we were within 20 cents of where we are right now in, in the bean price. So seasonally, this this is a seasonal move that has happened last, you know, last five and 15-year average, and it's, it happened again this year. Um, corn, the same way, we're within a nickel where we were last year at this time. So when you step back and look at it, there's been some really negative, negative news, of course, with tariffs, but it's probably further down the road. It's does China to come back in this winter into next spring and buy our beans or not um where do they go if if we don't and i think that's where you have to look is down the road and what's it going to do if we have a short crop um we know the world's going to need our crop but where's it going to go so uh it's just it's it's interesting to look back and look at the price difference and realize we are uh, relatively you know within a few cents on corn and within uh, you know 15 cents on beans and where we were last year at this time Lots to think about. Um, let's jump over to the livestock side. And, and I jokingly said I wanted that Clint Eastwood theme, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to play underneath. Because, man, this cattle market's kind of taken in the shorts lately. It has, and it's 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 held its ranges here. Today was really on the, on the live cattle side, the first day that didn't, didn't look good on a chart. Um, we've kind of been in a nice solid uptrend, two steps forward, one step back, but we've moved this up. And I think the cash market has helped support the futures. And it, it's going to be interesting going forward. Last week, we had a really late trade on Friday after the market was closed, really late in the day, almost into the evening. We traded up in the 114 area. This week, we've already had trade down in that 110.50 to 112 area on the cash market. Um, cattle are staring down a really large supply of competing meats. Um, we've seen what the hog market's done on this on on the negative news between China and Mexico, and and exports really there sinking. So if 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 we would see cattle exports slow, which they haven't yet, but if they do, um, you know we're gonna if we see slower exports, might see some imports pick up because of the Australian drought. Um, it might pressure cattle here into the second half of the year when usually we see. Uh, the cash market kind of stays strong, if not trend higher, into the second half of the year on on lower beef production. Now, with this with this cattle market, you talk about the drought, drought in Australia, and there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. But we've got dry concerns still here in the U.S., and I, I've heard some talk as well that producers are really looking at these cattle and deciding, you know, what do we do? Do we sell our older cows? How do we move forward to have enough to feed into the winter? Yeah, and and we don't see it a lot around here because we you know we usually we, we fall into that trap of like and look look in the backyard and in the backyard we've had a lot of rain in this area it's been nice but you get south of here and you know we talked about the weed issues and and the grain issues in Texas and Oklahoma early in the year and that affects the cattle market so um, you know like I said I think I think it's going to be more driven off of what happens with production going into the second half of the year um, seeing if we can keep. Um, the demand there. The demand's been unbelievably strong all year up to this point, and it's, it's going to be tough with competing meats being so cheap. So these hogs, a good day for them today, but what does the future hold? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that can help hogs the most is that you see it when we start hearing some of the chatter about the positive uh, trade talks with NAFTA and Mexico, and I think that could be one of the biggest swing factors in the hog market. Um, if, if we can continue to get some positive news there and then at some point reach a deal, I think that really helps the hog market. But today, hey, the first day in uh, about 10 sessions, we've seen a close higher and we closed the limit up on the October contract. The August contract comes off, I think, Tuesday of next week, and it's nice to see um, at least a strong move.
notes now, we're a long ways below the lean hog index, and I think it's warranted to see that futures market come back a little bit, but we're just going to have to see. We had a key reversal today, put a new low in, opened below yesterday's low, and then, of course, with the limit up move, took it out, um, but we're going to need some sort of positive news. We know we've got a ton of product, um, a ton of storage, but we're going to need uh, on the demand side, whether it's Mexico or, or something somewhere else, but that, that's going to have to help take some of this uh, pressure off from our supply. And as we know, the one positive day that we've seen today does not make up for all the negatives we've had, and I'm sure the negatives that are going to come in the near future. Yeah, it, it doesn't. But you got you got to kind of look look forward and hope and hope that uh, we've lived through the worst of it. Today might you know today could have been the low. Um, I'm not saying it is, but if, if it holds, <laughs> at least maybe we can you know move forward from here. I see so. a few pork producers maybe grinning a little bit at the thought and the hope <laughs> on that one. Yes. Oh, yes. Look quick here at the feeder cattle market. What are your thoughts on how they've been trading? You know, feeders have really held up pretty solidly in this 150 area. We've traded below it, but it seems like we always come back uh, and bounce our heads in this low 50 or 150 area. And um, a lot of cow calf guys have an opportunity above 150 to secure some pretty solid profit into uh, into those fall and into the first of the year calves. Eric, what's the best way for folks to reach both you and Troy? Uh, they can call us at uh, 308-234-6805. It's that easy. Check them out. Get in touch with them. They've got some great ideas to help you market into this next year. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.